You're listening to Stand to Reasons, hashtag STRask podcast. I'm Amy Hall, and Greg Kokel is here with me to answer your questions that you send on Twitter with the hashtag STRask. Hence the name. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder, people who don't have Twitter, don't go on social media, they might not even understand what our (laughs) name is about. uh... Oh, well, what are you going to do? All right, let's start with a question from Lars. I actually previewed this in the last episode, Greg. Did you say Mars? Lars. Oh, Lars. Okay. How would... we start getting questions from other planets, then I know that. <laughs> we Mel, really made we, it. We really made it. We're a big success. <laughs> All right. How would you show someone who thinks any spirit being is good that only Jesus is good slash true God? Well, there's a little ambiguity in the question because... It, it, that's a false dichotomy. Any spirit is good, or only Jesus is good, because there is a host of angelic beings, of, of uh, spirit beings. Some are good and some are bad. Some are unfallen, some are fallen. Uh, the unfallen ones are used by God as a host uh, to accomplish certain ends. So I, I wouldn't say that Jesus is the only good one. I'm, I'm not sure then what the question is, what he's getting at with the question. What do you think, Amy? Well, maybe um, it's somebody who's trying to contact spirit beings, and they think they don't think there's any danger in that. Um, so I guess it's you could answer two questions. One, how do you how do you convince someone that not all spirits are good? And number two, how would you convince people that Jesus is the best? So maybe you could answer them that. All way. right. Well, the the the, uh, the first question, I think I I would be inclined to affirm their acknowledgement of the spirit realm. I said, you know what, I'm with you. There is a whole world out there that uh, that we can't see that is very real and has an impact on things that happen in our lives and on the earth, okay? But then I'd ask the question, why would you think, and maybe this is where the burden of proof can be shifted a little bit, why would you think that all the spirits are good spirits? And I don't know what they'd say. They probably would say, well, they're not all good. There, some are bad. Okay, well, how do you know the difference? Well, I just, if they tell me to do good things, then uh, that's a good spirit. If they tell me to do bad things, then that's a bad spirit. Okay. And at this point, at least I get them talking about it a little bit and build a nice interactive relationship where I can affirm what I can properly affirm. And, um, And then I think what I'd say is, well, I'm concerned about this because God warned against that kind of thing. Now, I'm choosing my words carefully. I, I, I'm i not saying the Bible warns against it. And the reason I'm not saying it that way is because it's easy for people to objectify the book. Well, that's your book. It's not my book. But what I say, if I say God warns against it, now I'm talking about the individual. Now, it's maybe a, a small difference in the conversation, but to me, it is a difference. I want them to know that God God talks about this, and He talks about it in Deuteronomy. And uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to find the passage just kind of on the fly here, but what He does is, when He talks about it, He condemns mediums. And we see a um, an outworking of this in First Samuel, where Saul is trying to contact Samuel, who has died, and Saul's in trouble, and you need Samuel's counsel, and Saul's in trouble because he has not been obeying God, then Samuel is dead, so he gets the witch of Endor, and he disguises himself and has her conjure 
Samuel. Now, from the details there, it's pretty clear that she's even surprised that Samuel shows up, okay? But Samuel chastises Saul and um, and then condemns him, and Saul dies the next day along with his sons, including Jonathan, in the battle, according to the prophetic word of Samuel. But it's clear in the passage that um, counseling with a witch who can conjure a spirit is a violation of the law. It's a capital crime. Okay, why would God say, don't do this? And the reason is, is because there are spiritual powers out there, and they're not always good. And you don't need to conjure to get what needs to be done according to God. All that does is expose you to to harm. And, uh, and of course, this is characteristic. You talk to people who've been in the occult um, and who've come out of it, they can tell you the stories. That's not my background. But, um, but I've talked to people, I've known people who have. And um, and it's pretty. It's scary. There is a there is a supernatural world out there, and it's dangerous. And so, if you're talking with somebody, it, it, offering this is what God says about this. He condemns it, okay, because there's danger there. So, um, I'm concerned about you. You could say, um, who are we talking Lars. about here, Lars, not Mars, but Lars. You could say to your friend, I'm concerned about you. Because the reality is, there is a spiritual realm out there, we both agree, but but there is so much darkness in that spiritual realm, and we can't be counted on to be able to tell the difference. This is why God says, don't mess with it at all. Trust in me. Do what I say. I know what's going on out there. And uh, that that would be the kind of counsel, I guess, I would give in that circumstance. Amy? Well, a couple things, Greg. First of all, um, you mentioned people who have come out of this. If you just look at the fruit of the people who have engaged in occult practices and tried to contact spirits and things like that, a lot of people actually lose their minds. It, it's, it's a very dangerous practice. All you have to do is look at what's happened to people who have gone down this road. Right. And I know living in L.A., I, I have known more than a few people who have been involved in occult things. And this is, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, Greg, but there is a look that I've learned to recognize in people. And, and mm. even after I talk to them for a little bit and then I find out they work at some spiritual mm-hmm. place, there's a look in their eyes that I can recognize now mm. of people who are, it's, it's this kind of empty I don't know how to describe it. Maybe somebody out there has seen it too, but the fruit of this is is not great. Now, how would I maybe try and show that Jesus is the one you should go to? I think what I would try to do is show how much better he is because our relationship with him is completely different from the kind of relationship people have with other spirits. When people are contacting spirits, generally they're trying to manipulate them in some mm-hmm. way. They're trying to get something. They're trying to use them in some way. Um, it's not about getting to know them. That's right. It's classic <laughs> paganism. This is what we were talking yeah. about in the last show. Yeah. That's what they're trying to do. So what you might want to do is say, look, this is what people are doing when they're talking to those, you know, spirits. And to me, that seems empty and cold and ugly. 
Now, when we come to Jesus, we're not coming to him to say certain things, to get the right things, to manipulate him, to do our bidding. That's not what it's about. What it's about is actually loving him and reverencing him and submitting to him. He is our Lord. Nobody, I don't hear people talking generally, maybe there are some out there, but talking about the spirits that they're contacting in that way. Jesus is someone that we are willing to submit ourselves to because he is good, because we know he has our our best, our interest. best interest right. in heart, that he is working for our good. We know that he is perfectly good. And we are coming to him because we want to be with him. That's what's happening there. It's a completely different type of thing. And so it, maybe what you might want to do, Lars, is kind of stir up that desire for something greater than us mm-hmm. rather than something we want to manipulate and use for our own mm-hmm. desires. Remember also that Jesus isn't just an alternate spirit that's better than the other ones. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is the only one who is God in human flesh. So he occupies an absolutely unique position. The book of Hebrews, this is the main theme of the book of Hebrews. Jesus is not like angels. He's not like uh, uh, Mm -hmm. other sacrifices. He's not like the uh, Aaronic priesthood, Levitical priesthood. He is absolutely unique because he is God with us, Mm -hmm. and that changes everything. So ultimately, if, you know, if there are spirits out there that are bad, you don't want to mess with them. If there are spirits out there that are good, those spirits are subjected to Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is the head of all things. Mm-hmm. All of the good spirits, that, which would we would say are angels, you know, they're all under Jesus. So why would you go to them and not go to Jesus? Let Jesus send whoever he wants to send. And that happens on occasion. We see in the book of Acts, in other places in the Bible, God sends angels for purposes. But they they aren't—I don't think there's any occasion where a person is praying for an angel to do something for them. I can't think of that. I think it happens, and, they and they're aware of it. certainly don't pray to angels. They certainly don't yeah. pray to angels. Now, there is an angel angels in the book of Revelation, and then there's John. He falls down in front of the angel. The angel says, don't do that, man. I'm not God. I'm just me. I'm just an angel. Uh, worship God alone. But there are responses to those. They show up. But God is the sender. God is the one commissioning them as messengers. That's what angelos means, a messenger. Um, and uh, God's the one who's in charge of that, not us. Mm-hmm. So for all those reasons, hopefully you can stir up a desire for Jesus in the midst of that. Yeah. And um, hopefully that helps. Okay, let's go on to a question from Rutabagas are bad. The Rutabagas are back, Greg. Okay. <laughs> been a while. All right. Is inner healing prayer biblical? A prayer leader asked me to picture Jesus and asked me every detail I saw. I saw nothing. And all that Jesus said to me, nothing. Did this feel wrong because I am not close enough with Jesus to hear him, or is the practice misleading? Well, being close enough to Jesus to hear him is a misconception uh, that a lot of people fall into regarding God. Um, if if Jesus is speaking and you're not hearing, that means Jesus is trying to do something that he's not accomplishing. Presumptively, if he is speaking to you, he is trying to communicate to you. But you are doing something, presumptively, that is interfering with that. And this, to me, is at the heart of, you know, learning to hear the voice of God and trying to hear God and all of the stuff. 
because that, if you're trying to hear God, it means that God is speaking, that there's something to hear, but He's not doing what He needs to do for you to hear Him. He's whispering, you know, but there is not an incident in this entire Scripture that I've ever found where that's the case. Whenever God attempts to communicate with somebody, He succeeds because He's, hmm, how does this go? God! <laughs> God doesn't try. He's not a wannabe. He's a bee. He does it. Whatever He exercises His will to accomplish, He accomplishes. So there is no circumstance where God will, is speaking and you're not hearing Him. Okay? That's a complete libel, in my view, on the character of God. It, of course, is not biblical. Incidentally, if the question—I think that's the way it started. Uh, is it? How did you read that? Is inner healing prayer biblical? It's a bit, okay, the way to find out whether it's biblical is to see if it's in the Bible. Okay, so that's another part of it. A lot of what we're talking about are, are these things in the Bible. And no, we don't have these things in the Bible. And the trying to hear from God who's speaking but you can't hear has another theological problem, and that is God doesn't try. Uh, God doesn't just whisper and then, you know, he, he accomplishes what he—even Saul, when he's unregenerate, the greatest of all sinners, according to his own confession in Timothy, and uh, persecuting the church, murdering Christians— didn't have any trouble hearing God, Jesus, when Jesus spoke to him on the road to Damascus. This is a total mischaracterization of God, but you hear it a lot. I'm just saying this is the rule of thumb you apply, okay? So first of all, uh, don't worry about that. The um, the inner healing, though, is another issue. Um, is healing repre- uh, available to us? Well, sure, in principle, we see this happening, but we don't see inner healing happening. I'm not exactly sure why because I don't dispute the possibility. To say that something is not biblical—let's uh, let's see, non-biblical and unbiblical are two different things. I think things. this might be a specific practice called inner healing oh. prayer. Well, let me just speak to it generally. Okay. There's a difference between being unbiblical and non-biblical, okay? Things that are unbiblical are contrary to Scripture, and sometimes there's an argument from silence, okay? Like hearing for the voice of God, the way people talk about it, is not in the Scripture, and um, so that would you could say that's unbiblical, but I also think it's non-biblical for other reasons. You know, this presumes that everybody gets their private revelation from God. That's a—deserves it in virtue of being a Christian. And this is a radical claim that needs justification, given the weight of the significance of the claim. It needs justification from Scripture. So I would say it's not just unbiblical, uh, non-biblical, that— whole procedure is unbiblical. It's contrary to what Scripture teaches. Uh, We ought to expect. Okay, now God could do whatever He wants, and He does penetrate different times, communicating to different people. I'm not against that. The question is whether this is what we all need to get. Okay, that's one thing. Inner healing is, I would say, is is non-biblical. We don't have evidences of it, and I don't see any reason why it would be problematic theologically, because people do have wounds in their hearts. But, uh, you know, I I, was, I went through um, uh, Keener's book, Craig Keener's book, two books, two volumes on miracles. I didn't read every word, but I was scanning through trying to find evidences of inner healing, emotional healing, psychological healing in there, in miracles. And I you know, if I ever see him at ETS or something, he's still alive, I'll, I should ask him <laughs> instead of trying to page through two big volumes. But I never saw anything that implied that there was 
inner healing going on other than, say, a de- demonic you know, uh, 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 possession that the demon is cast out, um, that kind of thing. Probably hard to document something would, like that. Yeah, it would be hard to document. That's a good point. So, uh, although you could have a person self-attesting, you know, mm-hmm. about it. And I said, look, at this is what happened to me. You know, I used to be this. And uh, I certainly have heard enough from other people to hear that they are, that they have had emotional problems that uh, it, it inner wounds that prayer and, and pursuing God has resolved. And God did do a healing in them. So I'm not contesting that it happens. Um, I'm just wondering about the discipline of it. And sometimes people who are really given to inner healing prayer or soaking prayer, which I'm not condemning at all, and prayer is great, but sometimes it's like, okay, they're healed today, next week now they've got to get healed again, you know? And, and so I, I just, I don't know about the the efficacy on a broad scale. I think it's never wrong to pray and ask God regarding some emotional need that you have, you know? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Philippians, what, four or thereabouts. So, um, yeah, that's fine. Now, I understand that there are whole disciplines uh, and enterprises and ministries of soaking prayer and healing prayer, and I think that there's efficacy probably in some of them, but I don't know—I certainly am not convinced that it's a panacea, that this is the way to get all of these things solved. Sometimes you live with problems, as we've discussed in the past, and struggle with them your whole life. And uh, there's no guarantee that these challenges that we face, whether external or internal— whether circumstance or relationships or emotional wounds are themselves going to be healed. There's no guarantee for that. We can pursue it, do what we can, um, and as long as it's not non, uh, non-biblical, contrary to Scripture in the way things are being uh, mm-hmm. processed, I don't think there's a problem. But just don't, don't think that it's a panacea and this is the way things are going to get solved, because though sometimes it's the way... It's it's not always the way. So it's unclear to me what this particular thing he's describing, um, assuming this, I actually don't know if this is a man or woman, I just realized, but... Um, yeah, it's rutabaga. <laughs> rutabagas are bad. Rutabagas are good is a woman, I know, because I've actually met her, but I don't know about rutabagas are oh. bad. So, um, so this idea that you are supposed to picture Jesus and describe him and say what he's saying to you, it's unclear to me if part of this is the person who's leading this prayer trying to understand how you view Jesus, what your relationship is like with him, or if they're actually asking you to have some sort of mystical encounter with Jesus. Mm-hmm. If it's the second, I think that's really dangerous because now you're ask now you are putting yourself in a position where you're kind of being pressured to imagine certain things that Jesus is saying, and then are you going to take those things as actually him speaking those mm-hmm. things? There's no there's no safety there with some sort of objective message, which is in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where we get our objective messages from Jesus. And mm-hmm. to kind of on demand ask for some sort of words from Jesus to heal us, that seems really dangerous. I, a lot of people right now 
who are deconstructing. If you look into their stories, what you ultimately find out is that many of them are Deconstructing in the sense that moving away from Christianity and and deconverting. This whole kind of deconstruction quote movement, yes. In a different way earlier. That's right. Uh, I think that was a previous episode. Same morning, though. Yes, same word. So, this idea is when you look into their stories, often what they'll say is, I didn't get this from the Bible. I got this from sitting in front of Jesus in some sort of mystical experience. Mm -hmm. And Sometimes you don't find that out until you're way into their, their all their ideas, right. and you're thinking, how did they square that with this in the Bible and this in the Bible? And then you find out, oh, they didn't square it with the Bible. Yeah, who's the Areopagus guy from Michigan uh, that went south, the big giant church there, uh, 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 Rob, Rob Bell? Rob, yeah, Rob. Did he do this? I don't know. Well, he says he, that he learned more. The, most he ever learned for, about Jesus was from Oprah Winfrey. You know, so it's like, this is where you're getting your information from, you know, kind of thing. Um, there may be something else going on here that is not problematic. And sometimes we imagine, let me back up and use illustrations. So the, the people have seen this poster called Footsteps, and uh, it's characterizing uh, an interaction with God. Where were you? I only saw one set of footsteps the whole time. Where were you? You weren't walking next to me through this trial in my life with footsteps on the sand. He said that Jesus said that's because I was carrying you during that time. This is kind of the which is a really sweet kind of characterization. But notice that that what the poster and the the verse there is meant to communicate is to take a concept of God's care for us and Jesus' care for, and reify it, make it more concrete for us. And I think sometimes when we're asked, just imagine Jesus putting his arms around you right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't have a problem with that because, or something like this, saying, I love you, or saying, you know, you're the lost sheep and he's going out after you and he's looking for you. And so there are biblical notions, biblical concepts that you are imagining Jesus performing on your behalf. I don't have a problem with that because I think it's just, in a sense, reifying or making concrete biblical notions that may not be clear to people. And if they start picturing Jesus doing it. Look at Jesus taking care of the little children here in Mark, Mark, mm-hmm. whatever, 14, we just had the sermon on Sunday, so it's fresh in my mind. Um, look at him doing that. This is the way he loves us, too, and he, he gathers us around him. Imagine him holding you like that and saying, uh, permit the children to come to me kind of thing. That, I think, is okay. Mm-hmm. That isn't trying to conjure a mystical experience. It is trying to take a biblical uh, characterization of Jesus and 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 clarifying it, making yeah. it more concrete, reifying it in your own mind. Yeah, I agree with you. That's why I say I'm not sure exactly what he's describing here yeah. when he says he that he's supposed to say what Jesus is saying to him yeah. in that moment. So that's why I'm I'm that's I'm really glad you said that, Greg, because I I do think those are two different things. Yeah. If you're seeking special messages from Jesus, I don't think that's a good idea. No. <laughs> but yeah. if you're taking messages from the Bible and you are picturing Jesus saying certain biblical things to you, mm-hmm. not that you think he's giving you a special message, but that you're actually trying to kind of take this message into your heart mm-hmm. by by experiencing Jesus mm-hmm. saying it directly to you. I, You're right. I think those are two different things. Yeah. By the way, this is a concern I have in, in with with Jesus uh, Jesus Calling, that whole series that is a social movement, and a lot of people use that material, but the gal, Sarah, what's her name? Um, I think it's Sarah Young. Sarah Young. I think what she's trying to do is take the biblical characterization of Jesus and reify it and make it kind of real in particular words for us. But what she does is 
she puts all these words into Jesus' mouth, and what I understanding is, at least initially when she was writing this, she was getting this information from Jesus himself. This was like not exactly automatic writing, but something like that. And uh, it's in the forward for her first book, which it's no longer in there. You know, they took that out. But this reveals like, oh, wait a minute, this is this is mystical experience thing. And I'm never comfortable with people saying, here's what Jesus is saying. And you make up this long thing that may characterize some truths about Jesus. Yet at the same time, you're putting this in Jesus' words, and this is your thing. And you're taking this as if it were the Bible. And this is, I think, one of the reasons it's so popular um, because to some degree she's tried to take these notions and make them more concrete for people, but she's done it by having Jesus talk extensively. And, um, and this way I think creates all kinds of other problems. Mm-hmm. So I don't recommend the material, uh, but uh, nevertheless, I just thought I'd mention it here. All right. Thank you, Lars and Ruta Vegas are bad. Nice to hear from you again, Ruta Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you'd like to give us a question, you can send that on Twitter with the hashtag STRask, or you can go through our website, and we look forward to hearing from you. This is Amy Hall and Greg Kokel for Stand to Reason.